Welcome back to Inside Fantasy Football. This is Todd coming at you from Houston, Texas. Uh, today we're going to go over the Thursday night football matchup between the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans here in Houston. We're also going to go over the waiver wire aftermath. Last night was the first waiver wire deadline of the week. We're in heavy bye week season. Waiver wire needs to be mentioned on an early week podcast, and that is what we're going to do today. It's going to be all about a little bit of the waiver wire league news that ties into what's going to happen in the next few weeks and the Thursday night matchup. And we'll go ahead and start off with the Thursday night matchup with Miami coming into Houston tomorrow night. Uh, it's a pretty interesting matchup. you got two teams heading in two different directions. Uh, Brock Osweiler seems to be the quarterback for the next few weeks there in Miami. Uh, Tannehill is having all kinds of issues. Uh, there's rumblings that they weren't happy with him anyways. Um, he's not the greatest quarterback in the world. Uh, I don't see him helping the Miami Dolphins out in any kind of fantasy uh, uh, relevant way. Uh, he might... They're having major issues at wide receiver as well. Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson are out for this game. Uh, I think we're looking at Danny Amendola, Jakeem Grant, and I'm assuming they're going to activate, almost have to activate Devontae Parker. Uh, so Parker and is Parker is the most talented of the three receivers there in Miami. But if I had to guess, and they're going to have to throw because the Texans are not going to allow much on the ground from Drake and Gore. So I think Osweiler is going to try to air it out a little bit. Um, my guess is Amendola, especially in PPR. Amendola is a very, very, very strong flex play in PPR. I think he's going to get a ton of underneath targets against this Texans pass defense. Osweiler's going to have to get rid of it early because Clowney and that front, uh, that five, six-man front the Texans have is pretty strong. And they're going to be coming hard at that Miami Dolphins offensive line, which is weak. It's not as weak as the Texans offensive line, but it is a weak offensive line. I think the Texans, if not feast on it, they're definitely going to pressure Osweiler. He's going to have to get rid of, rid of it early. Danny Amendola, therefore, will have a pretty big day. If he gets a touchdown and at least 70, 80 yards, you're definitely looking at at least seven to eight receptions, if not double digits. I think he could have a pretty big night. He's a good daily guy as well. Uh, I know Thursday night's a weird daily fantasy uh, option for people. A lot of people skip it. I am one of those guys. I'm guilty of that. I skip the Thursday night game quite a bit on daily fantasy. But if you are one of those guys that just loves to play when you can, um, Amendola probably won't be he's going to be on everybody's roster that is running a Thursday night but if you're doing a Thursday through Sunday or Thursday through Monday as well uh, Amendola still is overall a definite strong flex play this week Devontae Parker is a risk he, I mean I would list him as a wide receiver four but he's in that situation where who does Osweiler have to throw to not very many people. He's. I don't even think Parker's activated right at this moment. They'd have to activate him today at some point. I haven't heard anything. Therefore, my second option at receiver, he's a wide receiver three. He's a risk-reward wide receiver three. He makes big plays for them um, when they try to run explosive plays. Hakeem Grant. And Hakeem Grant is very fast. He is uh, Olympic speed fast. Uh, he can uh, does a lot of reverses for him, gadget plays. He's a decent receiver. If he gets in the open field, he can be trouble because of his speed. 
So he is a sneaky play as well, but he is a boom or bust technically wide receiver four. He will have Brock Osweiler with pressure on him throwing to him. So will Brock be able to get him the ball when he needs to? I don't know. That's uh, something that uh, is going to have to be seen to make a good judgment on. I don't trust trust Brock Osweiler. I, I just think he's a good backup. He's one of those guys I put in that category. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He is a good backup that will get you through a stretch, maybe two or three weeks at best, and then he comes crashing down to earth. That's what backup quarterbacks do. That is why they're backups. Uh, so I don't expect a win here in Miami, and I'm not being a homer. I truly believe the Texans will handle them at home. I don't know about a blowout, but I do think the Texans win uh, by at least 10. I'm thinking, In my head, I'm thinking 21-10, 24-13, somewhere around there. Uh, not a barn burner. I don't expect a ton of points. But I do think the Texans' defense will hold Miami's offense uh, to not much. Uh, and uh, it should be a pretty easy win for the Texans. Um, so as far as my picks go on pickums, it would be the Texans at home. And they are heavily favored, by the way. Uh, but Devontae Parker, I would not touch him if you don't have to. Really, the only guy I would make room for out of that receiving core I just talked about in Miami would be Danny Amendola as a flex. I think he would be a good flex play in all formats. It's, but definitely leaning PPR. The running backs for Miami uh, are at a pretty even pace right now. I would still lean. I think Drake is more dynamic. I don't see Gore getting much against the Texans. I think they're going to really, really make Osweiler beat them, and they're going to pound the box. They're going to keep seven to eight in the box all night. Therefore, Gore and Drake, I don't think, are going to have very many lanes to run. The only reason why I lean Drake over Gore uh, and Drake could possibly be a flex option. Back end RB. No, he's not an RB2. He's gonna he'd be an RB3 flex for me right now, Kenyon Drake. But the only reason why I would lean Drake over Gore overall, as far as production Thursday night, is I think they'll use Drake to get some screens on the outside, get him in some open space, because Clowney and Watt tend to over-pursue. Osweiler would know this. He was the Texans quarterback recently. I think they'll come prepared for that, and there will be some room to work there. For Gore as well, he's not a horrible receiving running back, uh, but I do think Drake is a little bit more dynamic in the open field right now at this point in his career. Even though Gore is possibly a Hall of Famer, he is a, a an older, pounded-out running back. Drake is a little bit more dynamic. I'm waiting for him. I don't know if he's going to have a blow-up game here, but I do think he'll have around three, four receptions, 40-something yards. Um, maybe a touchdown if things go really well. Uh, but I do think that uh, Drake is the one to own there. Gore will give you a steady five, six points. I still think he may ground out 40 to 50 yards. He'll get his 14, 15 carries, and he'll probably be the goal line guy as well. So Gore, for me, would be a risky RB4 Touchdown dependent for sure. I just don't the, – the Texans' run defense is the problem here. They have a very – that's one thing they do very, very well on that team is stop running backs. Uh, Osweiler is not a fantasy option even in two quarterback leagues for me. I, the Texans' pass defense is not great, but I don't see Osweiler uh, doing much against this team. He'll get his touchdown maybe or something like that. Not a ton of yards. Uh, I just don't see 
him lighting it up. He is not fantasy relevant. Uh, the Miami defense, I, they're not a horrible play because Watson turns it over at least once a game with his interceptions, but I still would try to get around playing the Miami defense. IDP Cameron Wake against that, uh, Houston Texans offense is not a bad play. Robert Quinn might be a sneaky play as well against that Texans offensive line. Watson's been running for his life all season long. The tight ends aren't even worth mentioning on Miami. We're going to move over to the Texans. Um, We'll go ahead and get the obvious uh, no-brainers out of the way. DeAndre Hopkins. Deshaun Watson. Even Lamar Miller are guaranteed starts in all formats. Miller has dropped, you know, has actually risen to a flex. I think he's been a bench guy the last few weeks, but he had a great... Uh, really, I wouldn't say great, but a very good game against Jacksonville last week. 100 yards finally for him, and a, you know, he just showed up. He finally showed up last week. So to me, I think he's going to be on a roll. I think Bill O'Brien's going to use him against this Miami pass defense, which is pretty good, which means they'll be hitting Miller in some screens and on some draws. He will be flex-worthy for me. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller are both start. Uh, DeAndre's a week-in, week-out starter. Uh, Will Fuller is a wide receiver two back end, maybe wide receiver three at the top end of that. So he is startable in all formats. It's going to be a primetime game. I think Will Fuller is going to come to play. He will not be a bad play in daily as well. Uh, At tight end, uh, really there's no tight ends. This year, for some reason, O'Brien has left the tight ends out of the offense There's not much going on there. If you had to choose one, it would be Ryan Griffin, but there's not much usage going on there. Vincent Smith is looking like he's going to step in for Kiki QT. Kiki QT is still listed officially as questionable, but I've heard he's probably going to sit out. Uh, Vincent Smith is not fantasy relevant, but that is who's going to step in. Sammy Coates will be on the back end there, but neither of those guys are fantasy relevant. So for the Texans, it's Hopkins, Fuller, Watson, Miller. If you really, really want to stretch it, Alfred Blue may get a goal line or two if you're one of those super deep leagues and you're scrambling. Alfred Blue should get a few carries, change of pace carries, and he could get some goal line carries. He's a big, strong back. If you wanted uh, you know, one of those home run picks where you're like, I have nothing and nothing on the waiver wire, Blue is not a bad sneaky guy that hope for maybe get you 10 points or something. If he gets that touchdown in 30 yards, you're good. Uh, As far as IDPs go, Clowney should have a big night against that Miami offensive line. Uh, Honey Badger, he should have a big night in the defensive backfield. Teron Teron Matthew, he is a very, very good safety for the Texans. uh, Picked up from the Cardinals last year. He does very well in IDP scoring formats. J.J. Watt, I think he's dealing with, um, he's banged up a little bit. He would be a risky play, but if you're in a dynasty league like I am where you play defensive linemen, Watt is not a bad play as well. Merciless and Cunningham are not bad linebackers in IDP as well. But I would focus on Clowney and Tyron Matthew. I think those two guys are your best IDP IDP picks for the Texans. All right, we're going to move on to Fantasy news around the league before we uh, cut you guys loose today. Uh, First thing is there's rumblings that Dalvin Cook is going to be out until week 11. So if you're a Latavius Murray 
owner, he is your RB2 on your roster. Go ahead and put him in the starting lineup. Even against the Saints running defense, they're going to be at home against the Saints Sunday night. Latavius Murray is a startable RB2 for the next few weeks. Dalvin Cook is trying to get that hamstring right. They need to give him a good stretch of time to let that happen. Let him come back as close to 100% as they can and get ready for later in the season. Because when Dalvin Cook comes back after week 11, you're in crunch time. You're in that last month and a half before the playoffs. So um, and Minnesota should be right there. So they're doing what they have to do as an organization. On the fantasy end, though, uh, Latavius Murray is very, very fantasy relevant for the next few weeks. Um, Giovanni Bernard has been held out again this week. That just means that Joe Mixon's going to continue to be the workhorse there in Cincinnati. Uh, what else? Doug Martin. If you are a Doug Martin owner, you are going to... Uh, God, he's an RB2. I would still list him in an RB3 flex area till I see more. Gruden is saying that he is a... Workhorse type back, that is John Gruden still living 10 years ago. Uh, He's, I have to see it with Doug Martin. I haven't seen anything that shows me that he could carry a load again, but I could be totally wrong. He's not a bad guy to roster just to wait and see. If you're really desperate, we are in the crazy bye weeks. He's a flexible RB2 guy if you're super desperate or just, you know, streamer basically. Uh, Jalen Richard could be streamed in PPR only. Peyton Barber is not practicing. Therefore, Ronald Jones is very relevant in Tampa Bay. He needs to be rostered and possibly starting at a flex. Uh, I guess that's going to be about it. Sonny Michelle, uh, he is week to week. Um, I would expect Sonny Michelle to be back in a couple weeks. That seems to be one of the most asked questions on my uh, emails. Was the Sonny Michelle issue? Give it a couple weeks. And there was no structural damage. It's looking like maybe just a small sprain or some kind of sprain of the knee. Uh, I'm sure he's going to um, get it right in a couple weeks, and he'll be right back in there as the workhorse. James White becomes very, very, very fantasy relevant. He already was fantasy relevant, but now that Michelle is out, he will be the workhorse back there. There's really not. They'll bring in somebody off the street, maybe or barber. Uh, but it's going to be the James White, Tom Brady show back there for the next couple weeks. And when Sonny Michelle gets back, he should slide in right into his, uh, right into his usual spot as the workhorse for them. Uh, Gronkowski's been held out of practice as well. Uh, he is uh, the usual banged up Gronkowski. I know a lot of people have been asking me lately about what to do about Gronk and the tight end issue. Um, when he's when he says he can play, and I know the stats haven't been great this year, just you have to play Gronkowski because he's always a goal line touchdown fade guy for Brady. You should always have that option there every time he starts to get a touchdown, at least headed his way a, a toss. He's a little banged up now. It's a little risky. If you've got two great tight ends on the same roster, it's not a bad time to just bench him and wait and see. Usually against Buffalo, he shows up. I expect a blowout. He's probably going to get some work. But he's held out right now. If he doesn't play, make sure you've got a backup option. But when Gronk is healthy, you play him. And Le'Veon Bell has not reported yet. There's no talks, at least out in the open, about any trades of any kind. If you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, if you are not in a 
keeper league where you, uh, you know, if it's just for right now, I would sell high on Bell. I would try to get something that could help you on this run through bye weeks and into the playoffs because right now the Steelers don't seem to like Bell. Connor is doing very well. The trade deadline is around the corner. The main thing here is I would try to trade it. You have to make the decision. Do you want to wait and see if he gets traded to someone that's immediately going to use him properly? Or do you want to get rid of him now while you can get something really good for him or that person you trade him to is hoping for the same thing? Because if you wait until the trade deadline, you're not working with anything because he's going to be stuck with a team that doesn't like him and Connor's getting all the work. So the Le'Veon Bell issue needs to be handled very delicately. You have to make a decision. Do... You want to get something for him now. You could probably get something pretty strong just off of name and the possibility of him coming back and doing his thing. Always remember, he's probably going to come back to Pittsburgh in a timeshare if he comes back. Then if he goes to a team, he's going to have to acclimate to that team, get used to their system. You're looking at week 11 or 12 before this guy, maybe week 10 on the best case scenario. This guy will be at 100% with a new team and in the system and ready to rock. So that's pretty late in the fantasy season. It could win you from there, though. It's something you have to weigh out. If I, I personally, I'm in a ton of leagues, and I don't own Le'Veon Bell in one league. I don't know how that happened, but I just, I've never owned the guy in fantasy. I seem to miss that spot every time. It's strange. But if I did own him right now and I had him sitting on my bench, I think I would at least listen to offers. If you don't get anything that knocks your socks off, just hold on to him, wait and see. That's probably the best way to handle that. All right, guys, that's going to be it uh, for the early week podcast. Uh, the waivers, um, just remember on the waiver wire, guys, you want to, it's all about depth and looking a week ahead. You want to try to shy away from having to throw a guy in there that's an absolute desperation play. So the focus is keeping that depth. Make sure you've got a nice backup and stay a week ahead. Uh, don't get too cute. Keep your good players in. I know this time of year people try to get cute and try to constantly play the sleeper. If you've got a guy that's been producing, he's a big name, but he's got a bad matchup, stick with the big name. Stick it out. Nine times, not nine times out of ten, but a good percentage of the time, these guys will produce for you. So don't get too cute. Stick with your big players. Stay a week ahead. Pay attention to your depth at each position and try to... Always stay one week ahead. That is very, very key. I've said it 10 times on this podcast. All right, guys, you have a good one. Uh, We'll be back on Saturday. Good luck on your Thursday night and second round of waiver wires. I'll get back at you later. Bye.